Hey everybody, Captain Andy Comics is right about to start, but there's a lot of great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including this one. I'm Keith Conrad. And I'm Misty Callahan. On Geek Counter Geek, we'll tackle the tough questions that keep you up at night. Like, who is the better captain? Kirk? Picard or Crunch. Plus, you'll get to chart our progress as I try to write the great American novel. And I try to create a comic book. It's Geek Counter Geek on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. Time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. Now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Hey, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Park. With me, as always, is my Steven And we were just arguing about the validity of Matches Malone, and it <laughs> yes, got really does. heated, and I was yeah. like, we need to start recording the podcast the way we do this is, uh, Stephen comes over, we make coffee, um, we just kind of catch up personally, because this is the only time we see each other. Except for that surprise visit to Mr. Wayne's on Thursday. Oh yeah, yeah, we went yeah, to Mr. Wayne's that... on Thursday, so Matt Kaplan has been on the show. Yeah. Because you are completely broken on Marvel you Legends. broken me. Yeah, and by <laughs> the way, bastards. by the way, Merry Christmas. Yeah, so Because I... I just gave you a Marvel Legends wasp. yeah. And uh, I bought Taskmaster from Mr. Wayne, so yep. I guess... Well, you have somebody for them all to face off against. Bring on the bad guys. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. You are going to enjoy it. Uh, <sighs> and that's going to be a lot of our topic today, which we'll get to is, is we're starting to see toy announcements coming out because it's 2020. Uh, I think a lot, of, uh, a lot of announcements, they were like, you have to hold this till the new year, so immediately the first week. They're all coming out, and Toy Fair is in February. Yep. So we're starting to build up, um, and you're looking very nervous because Hasbro will show 40 Marvel Legends. Yeah, see, that's the problem. They're going to show, like, 40 of them, and I, I won't want 40 of them, but if I want even 10 of them, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Uh, it's... Well, you should do what I do. Just slash your comic budget. Uh, yeah. And just... uh yeah, every other budget. I have two budgets now. I have toy budget and guitar budget. Yeah. And uh, nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. There's no comic budget. <laughs> as long as really the mortgage, get, mortgage gets paid, you're good yeah, to go. Yeah, like Comixology, I'll be like, oh, that Epic Collection is five bucks? Yeah, I can afford five bucks. Sure. It's like, I'll bring lunch tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's no... Yeah, well, it's exciting because they've done... Um, uh, this past year, 2019, was like majority X-Men, I think. Uh, yeah, and they they covered a lot of ground. They they a lot of ground, and it's weird because th- it was a year when like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame came out. So you'd think they would like, and I think we got more X Men figures. We got more X Men figures, and they did this whole 80th anniversary line, which is what broke you with the yeah, Thor and the, the Cap and the, the Iron Alex Man Ross. from that. Yeah, I think I already had um, uh, those got solicited after or before I got. Uh, Black Knight and Hawkeye, and then I got Black Panther from you. So I had those three, and then yeah, Vision, right? I have Vision now, yeah. yeah but the, by the time I those, you have a full team, I I have ten. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I have um, I had ten. I think Hulk was eleven. Oh right, you got Hulk and that two pack, and then I think we had a big argument about that because you wanted me to keep this Whisker Wolverine. I wanted you to keep Wolverine because he's like the second most important Marvel character, uh, and eventually you're gonna need one. And he was an Avenger. Yeah, but I'm trying to only do Bronze Age Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's like Taskmaster's okay because he fought them at that time, you know. <laughs> but then that fucking Doctor Doom is coming out, and he looks incredible. But you can switch his head from Kirby to Jim Lee too, so you can make him. Yeah. Ooh, mm. Doctor Doom and Taskmaster teaming up. I know. That's gonna happen. It probably is gonna happen. I don't know if there's anybody you're really missing. Like Wonder Man would be cool. Yeah, I think Wonder Man. I'm waiting for like uh, a different version of him. Mm. I'd love to see a classic Beast. They did a great yeah. Jim Lee Beast, but well, I'd we like to see a, a George Perez Beast. They did beast. that Jackal body. Yeah, and like that's like a perfect. Yeah, because he wasn't too huge then. Yeah, he wasn't like a little Hulk. Yeah, but we're gonna get a lot of announcements. Um, so we've already gotten some DC announcements. Uh, oh, because of McFarlane. McFarlane, who, by the way... Are you excited about this? I don't, like, care um, about McFarlane. I'm interested, but 
honestly, what I saw wasn't better than what um, DC Direct has been doing. I think it's the... Honestly, it uh, it, it looks better than Mattel, but it looks pretty much what uh, DC Collectibles has been doing for the last few years. So it seems like they're just taking part of the market that DC had for themselves, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, sure. But they're... Uh, it seems weird. It's like, uh, I don't know, some reason they just can't get excited about any of these figures. It's like, you'll get a new one, and it's like, unless it's like a Mezco or something, I don't really care about like, the DC figures. Yeah, they're, I mean... The quality's just not there. Uh, I think the quality's there. The style's a little odd. Uh, they're, um... Like, they've got some modern figures. They've got a modern... The modern Batman... I'll probably buy the modern Batman just to see how the line is. Sure. Which is what I did with, like, both DC Icons and DC Essentials. And I was like, ooh, I don't like these. And then I didn't buy anybody else, and those lines died fairly quickly. But, like, the modern Batman looks interesting. And they have a lot of articulation for McFarlane. McFarlane didn't used to have... He didn't believe in it. No, he made, like, little statues and then went at them with a razor blade. Yeah. And, like, cut... The Superman is nice, but, like, do I need a new modern Superman? I don't know. Is it a modern Superman or is it, like, classic? Um, Does he have underwear on? He has underwear on, but does, he has underwear on now. Oh, Did yeah, he go, I guess he went back, back to... He went have you been, um, back have to you, classic have you been reading any of the Superman that Bendis has been writing? No, I read, like, the first issue. Oh, okay. Um, I think they're putting Ramita on it. So it's like Bendis and Ramita on Superman. I don't know how long he'll stay. I wish, I wish they would find a home for Ramita. Like to do a run? Yeah. If you yeah, like, I don't know what they're like, wasting him. It's like when they did Kirby. It's like it's all over again. They just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, guy. it's like this expensive thing they take off the shelf. And they're like, Ramita. And he does like six issues and goes. And I'm like, like the guy used to do three books a month. Yeah. You know, he was doing like Hulk, Thor, and Spider-Man all at once. Yeah, he's the only guy that can do that. Yeah, many books at once. You know, and he developed a style. And I don't want to see him. Kirby do, used to be able to do that too. I don't want to see him to do three books a month, but just give him one book and with let like him a run on a writer. Let, yeah, let him do a, like a run on something. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm kind of hoping they're doing this big Superman story where he's spoiler alert for anyone uh, looking to read Superman. But I think this is like kind of happening. Um, he he's not. Um, he has no secret identity anymore. Yeah, that was a big deal. And that was the thing that also threw me off of Batman. Was I read the final um, Tom King issue, liked oh, it. I still haven't read that yet. It was it was good. I think I'm putting it off. <clears throat> I don't know why. <laughs> just well, read they, it. <laughs> they keep pushing back Batman Catwoman. Everybody thought it was going to be the next month. And they solicited April and it's still not on the schedule. Yeah. And Tom King was like, no, Clayman's really taking his time with it. And I think they're considering it. They're considering it more of a prestige limited series. Sure. Considering it more of like a last night on earth kind of thing than, than like more issues of their run. It's like when Snyder and Capullo came back, they didn't do six more issues of Batman. They did these graphic novels, which was a weird story. Um, Snyder for me. Oh, is that the future one where you had the Joker's yeah, the head final, and the lantern? The final issue came yeah, out. Yeah, see, I never read that too. I had the, I it read the weird. first two issues and then that third one, I was like, what? Well, the third one was really late because Capullo, Capullo's pretty fast, but he took time off to do to, the spawn. To do spawn, which I thought was a really cool move because McFarlane kept him going for years. Yeah, I don't uh, care about spawn at all, but it's like uh, an important milestone for indie comics. I, you know, like I just, independent character. I think it says a lot about Greg Capullo's yeah, character. Yeah, and Capullo is like, uh, yeah, you had a big hand in this shaping this character, as yeah. stupid as it is. <laughs> you know, it's like you were you were there for it. So he also like got great during that time. He was like he was decent. He was like very cartoony when he started. When he did like he did like Quasar and X Force. He was very much in like a Micro Wingo kind of mold. Yeah, and he always seemed because uh, I remember him on uh, Quasar uh, because. <laughs> Because I think Quasar is cool. Um, he he always looked like halfway between uh, Mike Rowingo and John Ramita Jr. Yeah, like, and a then, little Ramita with like the simple facial features and stuff. And so then when he went to Spawn, he had to add like because it's basically a horror superhero comic. You had to get he had to, he had to get grittier and more details and creepier, and that's what he brought to Batman was that yeah, combination. That and then Batman. then he was the biggest artist in the world. Um, so I, I do really appreciate the fact that he was like, yeah, we're doing this big limited series. This one's going to be late because I'm going to help Todd. Yeah. And I'm, that's fine. That makes me like him more. Yeah. But 
Uh, speaking of Todd, yeah, these DC figures are, are they're kind of all over the place. Uh, I I want to really like them, but I'm like, mm. it just seems like uh, in the, you know, personal preference, or you want to call it, because I'm very uh, openly biased against DC over Marvel. It's like uh, Marvel. It's like here's a bunch of action figures, and it's them in both like their classic when classic at this point does count nineties. You know what I mean? It's like the X-Men in the nineties is classic, but it's like, they'll, they'll go back and they do all the different versions of the characters as they appeared in the comics is like authentic, you know, as close to the details as we can get for the figures. And then DC's just like, here's Todd McFarlane's version of Batman. And it's like, yeah, and it's why, not why, even you know it's not even Todd McFarlane's version because like DC is doing a black and white statue of Todd McFarlane's version, which looks actually really cool. Mm. I kind of want to get it, but uh, this is like what Todd McFarlane thinks Tony Daniel is drawing, right? And then the even weirder thing was they threw in a couple of animated figures, which makes me think like I don't know where this line's going because they're doing like. They're doing like Bruce Tim animated figures yeah, they're doing in the line. Pr- Bruce Tim animated figures, but they're, but they're not accurate. They're not accurate, right? Like it's the like Batman, they're halfway between Bruce Tim and Todd McFarlane. Then, yeah, the Batman looks like a. Uh, he's very bulky, but he like, looks like a mishmash of the first and second series, where he's got like the bigger body of the second series and the, and the bigger the belt, the pouch belt. But he's got the yellow oval. His yeah. eyes are really small. It's like it reminds me of Mezco, where. Um, which used to frustrate me about the 112 line, and now I kind of appreciate it, it yeah. is like whenever they would show a design, it'd be like, uh, they they could have nailed the design, but they went over here. Yeah, it's like they uh, they make it different enough to where you know the costume they're referencing. Like, here's Dave Cockrum's Cyclops uniform, but then it's like they change it up. But they put like a pattern on his shirt. Right. Like, the Jim Lee one doesn't have underpants. Yeah. Or like they'll just, they'll change like a little thing here and there where uh, like... Uh, Wolverine has like hard brown shoulder pads instead of just the cloth part of his costume. Right. And uh, Iron Man has rivets and lines all over. And first I was like, look, you, you showed me that you could totally nail this character and you could make the quintessential classic version of that character. Yeah. And you don't want to. Yeah. And I, think I feel like that's yeah. what McFarlane's doing, which is kind of like McFarlane knows that he's following uh, – I think it's 17 years of Mattel figures. Yeah. Because they got the license in like 2003. Right. And Yeah, 17 years. And the, he's fighting that stuff that's been on the shelf. Spin Master has also designed like a kid line. They're doing like four-inch figures that are like really, really simple. So I think McFarlane's like, well, I, I can't do the same thing, so I'm going to put my own spin on it. But then again, it's not a revolutionary different line. Right. It's not like a classic plastic statue. McFarlane well, I would line. say like, you know, because it's in the same vein of like Mezco where it's different, you know, enough. It's their spin on it. But it's like those are kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say like revolutionary, but they're kind of a big deal because it's like they're they're basically like affordable hot toys. You know, it's like yeah. they're shrunken down. They're shrunken down hot toys. They look really great. I'm getting both versions of cable. Yeah. When so, we were at Mr. Wayne's. It's so crazy. I asked Mike, I was like, Dad, did you get cable in yet? He's like, no, not yet. Do you want me to put it aside? And I had some credit there. And I was like, yeah. He goes, which one do you want? I was like, both of them. Yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> he was very happy to Yeah, he that. likes that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with Mezco, um, I decided a few months ago, I'm in on Batman. Oh, they announced KG Beast. I'll get him. Mezco's doing KGBs. That's Mezco's. amazing. Their character selection is yeah. so wacky. Well, I kind of like it that There's way. There's no Two-Face. Yeah. But they're doing KGBs. There's yeah. no Riddler. They could have done Bane instead of KGBs with basically the same body. Yeah. But it's like, nah, we're doing KGBs. Yeah. And I'm like, all sure. right. No one has ever done a KGBst. And then Mattel did one this last year. At the very end of the line, they're like, all right, KGBs. And then Mezco immediately was like, yeah, let's do We're going to do one too. <laughs> Oh, you guys like KG Beast? Okay. Yeah, but I think I think I'm all in on the X Men too. Cause uh, but you're not. Gonna, are you gonna get Magneto? That's the big. See, that's my Taskmaster question. Yeah, yeah. He's because it's X-Man. like I'm like right now. I'm like ah, no villains. Uh, Batman. I'm getting the villains because I uh, I got Catwoman, Joker, Harley is coming. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely in, and you know Batman. We are has bigger the Batman. Best yeah. Then Batman has the best villains in comics. Uh, I am shocked they haven't done any Spider Man villains yet. They've done. Yeah. They've just done Spider-Man. They've done Red, Black, and Miles. And, I'm like, and they, I have the Red and the Black, and they're great, but like, they haven't done 
any villains. Yeah, it's no weird. Green Goblin, no Doctor Octopus, no Craven, Kingpin. Yeah, Craven would make a good mezcal. He would. Tina would love that leather. Yeah, <laughs> give him a little fur. Yeah, uh, you know, like collar. Yeah, so they're uh, all Craven's over... an asshole. Yeah, they're all over the place. But I have, I now have Wolverine, Logan, and two Cyclops, and now I have Cable coming in. And I'm like, the next one's Gambit. I'm like, eh, Gambit's gonna have a real coat. Yeah, you got to get him. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then it's Magneto, and it's like he's an X Man. He looks good i like him as a villain i like him as a villain too but he's been a good guy for longer than any other villain's been a good guy uh hawkeye uh hawkeye was never a bad guy yeah hawkeye was first appearance black widow yeah but black he, widow and hawkeye were both bad guys she manipulated him i would say scarlet witch and quicksilver were bad guys and they've been good guys all right longer. then yeah then black widow has been a hero longer than she's been fair enough She's getting her own movie. Magneto did not get his own movie. He tried. They pitched it, and then they folded it into first class. It was good. It was good. Uh, Just explaining to... uh, (laughs) Oh, it's so weird, the connections now. So Ben and I are watching, like, the Phoenix Saga on Fox. The cartoon. The cartoon. And there's a scene with Moira McTaggart and Sean Cassidy. Yeah. And he's like, who are these people? And I said, oh, that's uh, Moira McTaggart. He's like, what's her power? And I'm like, no, she doesn't have power. She's human. he's like where did she come from? And I'm like, well, she was in some of the movies. I was like, and then I realized I had to go like, and he was like, who is she in the movies? I was like, well, she was played by Rose Byrne, who was like the, on in Bridesmaids. <laughs> That's like the next jump. Cause we had just watched that. Cause he's a big comedy kid. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to, I have to go to Bridesmaids to explain an X-Men to character. explain more in McTaggart. And yeah. then with, uh, Banshee, I was like, oh, he's in first class. I don't remember him. Well, he screams. He, that's it. He screams and he can fly. And, and then there was a scene of him holding Wolverine and screaming and Wolverine holding his ears over his mask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the 90s was a weird time. 90s was a weird time. But he's Oh, but Mario McTaggart does have mutant powers. Oh, didn't they just reveal that? Yeah, now with Hickman. Yeah. Yes. Which, which is one of the reasons to read cool. Hickman. Yeah. There is a hardcover out of powers powers at house yeah i think it combines them into one it volume. does and yeah um i almost got it and then i was like omnibus yeah i'll be an omnibus there'll be an omnibus i had the fantastic four i had the fantastic four hickman omnibuses i had the avengers omnibus i have them now. i traded them to you yeah. for uh absolute batman superman uh, uh yes by jeff Loeb. yeah secret invasion and there was something else yeah something else i don't know it was it was another absolute it was yeah. a it was a, I might have had two volumes of Batman Superman. Oh, yeah. I think it was one yeah, and two. Because that, that second volume, I'm just like, nah. We both walked away satisfied. <laughs> yeah. I like the end. I like the Avengers more than you do, and you like Batman more than I do. Yeah, so. Batman vs. Superman, I love the Ed McGinnis issues, the Michael Turner okay. and the Carlos Pacheco. Those stories I'm not into. I don't mind the either of the stories. That Carlos Pacheco time travel story was the last one from that run that I liked. And then I think after that, they did like a Bat Zaro, and I was like... That's mm-hmm. when Ed McGinnis came back. Yeah. I, I like, have nah. the Bat Zaro figure. Yeah. I wrote, uh... a spec, I wrote a spec script of Brave and the Bold, which heavily featured Bat Zaro. Yeah. The first scene... So wait, Bat Zaro's... I thought uh, he had been around for a while? No, no. Jeff Loeb created him. Oh, but you're saying you created a Bat Zaro. It was later. It was, oh, yeah, it was like, after Jeff Loeb. Yeah, or it was around the time um, in stand-up where a lot of the writers, were. we were all starting to write spec scripts to get on a, a TV show. Yeah. And so my friends did, and they've been oh, on the show. Oh, I and see I, what you're I saying. Did. You wrote a spec strip for the show. I wrote a spec cartoon, strip for the Brave cartoon, the Batman Brave and the Bold. Oh. And it was Batman and Booster Gold against all the Bizarros. Yeah. And Bat Zaro was heavily featured. In fact, it opened with a complete frame-by-frame Perfect parody of the opening of Batman the Animated Series, except at the end you find out it's Bizarro. Oh, that's cool. Which was really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, question. Yeah. So you wrote a spec script for Batman Brave and the Bold, and then like you submit it somewhere? Uh, you would keep it as your portfolio, basically. Oh, So if you were applying for a writing job, they'd say, hey, what have you got? And if you didn't have anything produced, you'd be like, well, here's a spec script. And... The trick is you never write a spec script for the show you want to get on. You write another show because they want to see if you can get the tone right. Mm. And if they're running the show, they will see anything that's off. So like if you write like a SpongeBob and it's not exactly like SpongeBob, they'll be like, oh, he doesn't understand our show. But if you go to SpongeBob and you've written like an Invader Zim. Yeah. And it's kind of on, they go, okay, we can see that you... 
I never got to the point where I submitted it anywhere. Mm -hmm. I just had it. Yeah. Like I just worked on it for about a month or so. I wrote a SpongeBob in the 90s to get a Nickelodeon internship, which I did not get. Yeah. And then I wrote this Brave and the Bold in the 2000s. Um, But we all wrote like one sitcom. Right. And then we let each other read it. And um, yeah, it was like Mike Drucker and I were working on stuff together. And uh, he's been on the show several times. He's he's been a TV writer for the last... Seven years, so it's something that you need to do. Right. But I like Badzaro. That's the point. Yeah, Badzaro's cool. His pouches are upside down and they're all open. Yeah, because he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's great. I do like, um, I, I think Batman, um, the Batman 66 show. Yeah. His utility belt, the, belt is op- the pouch is open upside down. They open on the bottom. Yeah. He would open and it and it would drop into his and hand. And I always liked that. I thought that was like a clever... I don't know, like, uh, it was just, like, a cool design because it was different. Yeah, the capsule belt was always weird. Yeah, I never understood Like, in the, the Bronze Age, where it's, it like, looked cool. everything's rolled up really tight. Yeah, it's, like, so you could fit more gear. Yeah. I remember um, I got a book. We're not, I don't even know if we have a topic of what we're doing this episode, but I got uh, a we're book. We're still talking about McFarlane DC, and we're talking about DC, which kind is, of. like, which is somewhat a way in. Uh, there's no Batzaro in the first line. No. Uh, there is a Batman Who Laughs figure, and I'm like, all right, I'll get that because nobody's made him yet. I uh I really don't like the Batman who laughs is like a concept. I think that's like uh I it's like I don't ac- accurately know how to describe this, but there's like a portion of the population who reads comics that likes the same dumb shit. Like Venom guys. Uh yeah, it's like Venom guys to the extreme. Punisher they, guys. They like Punisher, they like Carnage, they like Batman who's half the Joker with like a spike collar. The guys who like Daredevil and nobody else. Yeah, it's like that kind of like uh, it's just like uh, to it, and it's hey, it's a personal opinion or whatever. But it's like to me that is like the lowest form of like comic fan is like, oh, I like the Punisher, and it's like, do you like Spider Man? No, Spider Man sucks because he doesn't murder a bunch of guys. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, I I read the Batman or Laughs limited series and I'm like okay, I well I hate alternate reality guys, and I really hate it when alternate reality guys hang around in regular yeah. reality where they're like, oh, this guy's popular. I'm reading your Remender X-Force, uh, which I like, but there's a lot of fucking alternate reality. Yeah, there is a lot of alternate, they do a like, lot in the Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, and the, but then like Dark Beast is walking around and I'm like, yeah. oh, come on. They could, there was a point in the 90s where they brought Dark Beast over and then Dark Beast like locked. He joined the Morlocks? Did he? <laughs> I think he did. I, I just remember I a story. Was, like, hanging out with them. Where he, he like locked regular beast behind a brick wall. He like walled him he in like cask of a Montiago. Yeah. It's a count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. And then he just took his place. He's like, I am the beast. Yeah. Even though he was like a different gray color. and a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that drives me crazy. And Batman who last falls into that category. Um, I'll get him just cause it's, it's a canon version. It's like Flashpoint Batman. It's the only thing I don't like about Tom King's run. I'm oh, like, yeah. He's... I'm like stupid. It's kind of Alternate weird. reality version of Batman coming in and messing things up. Yeah. And... It's very confusing, Tom King's run, because I'm trying to understand. Flashpoint was a crossover that happened that kickstarted the New 52. Yeah, so it was bef- Tom King had nothing to do with it. He, wasn't right. even, he didn't even write Vision yet when that book right. was done. But then Thomas... It was Jeff John's character. Right. Thomas Wayne... Is Batman, and then he's he like stayed in our universe somehow. And he crossed over. Uh, See, that's where I, that's where you I lose, lose me. it. It's portals. Well, I'm getting to the point in X Force where like Age of Apocalypse, Nightcrawler's hanging around, and I'm like, what? yeah. What? They went to the that world, and then yeah. he's like, this world sucks. Can I come with you guys? And they're like, sure, we can have yeah. two Nightcrawlers. And I think well, our Nightcrawler was dead. dead. Yeah. yeah. So I, but I don't know where that Nightcrawler went. I haven't finished the book. So. Yeah. If he died and I forgot, remind I, me. Regular Nightcrawler came back. I know that. Yeah. Ed McGinnis did a, the run of his Well, nothing X-Men. before Hickman matters now because they just flattened the whole continuity. Yeah, that's what's really confusing about Hickman's run on X-Men, which the newest issue came out this past week is oh, that— Oh, I haven't read it yet. Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's just like continuing that main story. But it's everyone Everyone is back, every mutant, and they're all on the same team. It's kind of confusing because yeah. you're like basically well, Hickman is cloning thing going on. Right, he has access to basically anyone, and it's just kind of like, why don't they just make thirty clones of like Wolverine or Cyclops to go out and do something? Yeah, well, yeah. My big problem with that cloning thing, I think we talked about it on the show. I'm like, wait, so you, so they kill Wolverine? Uh, spoilers for Hickman, issue but, three but or they, something. Yeah, yeah. In the limited, they series. killed all of them, but they bring them back because on Krakoa they have this cloning technology, and Professor X has like a library of everybody's. Yeah, the Cerebro helmet he's wearing is backs up all the mutant minds. So they clone a new body and they they download 
that person's mind, and then they're basically like Cyclops is back, Nightcrawler is back, right? And uh, they clone their DNA so they have powers. But like Wolverine comes out with adamantium. Yeah, that's kind of where I lose it. Is like Wolverine shouldn't have adamantium. But then I think in yeah, one of the books, bone claws. I think in one of the books they showed that they had a pool of liquid adamantium. Come on, I know it's kind of like yeah, but. That was supposed to be like a hard thing to do. That's why they yeah. never replicated on like yeah, and nobody else could survive it, right? So it's like they like somebody like Lady Deathstrike had a weird like adamantium skin thing. Yeah, and it's everyone's like a different version. There was of a, it. a character Cyber in the Larry Hammer run. Who had that arms. Had like, yeah, yeah, like because his arms were chopped off. Like nobody could survive the adamantium process. So to tell me that there's oh, let's just pull that, and every time we clone Wolverine, we just pour it in there and put him through that traumatic experience yet yeah. again. It, yeah, it's just kind of that. Like, I just don't. I don't buy. like that. And it is one of those things where I bought. I buy buy a lot of bullshit in this run. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah you can clone everybody, sure. sure you can but, bring, but uh, you can't put the metal in them again. Yeah, and I know it's a weird line I'm drawing. No, but, but it's an that line is wrong. It's an important line. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I, I, I I did come to the point because I was reading everything except. They've got a book called like Fallen Angels or something, which was like right. so horrific I couldn't read it. I didn't even get through. The it first was a bad issue. miniseries in the eighties. It was it's like not the, any better. <laughs> they tried to make a team out of Sunspot and Warlock, and it yeah. didn't go anywhere. And, and I they couldn't just even put them back in New Mutants. I couldn't even tell you what's going on. In this the main that the the current book because I like I said couldn't even get rid of the first issue. And I came to the point this past week because I was behind because basically it's like two X Men books come out every week now. And that's yeah. too much X-Men to read. So I'm going to read the main Hickman title, and then I think I'm just going to read Excalibur. That's the funny. rest of these books, I'm like, I can't keep up with New Mutants. And, and Hickman's writing New Mutants, and I'm like, I don't care about these characters. Yeah, I haven't read New Mutants because I'm like, is it crossing over every issue? It's not. Then I never cared about the New Mutants. And I, I got – I wanted to read the Sienkiewicz run because people – Talk about it. They yeah. like, and those are big stories. The Demon Bear Saga. I've always heard like, ooh, the Demon Bear Saga. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it has something to do with Danny Moonstar. Yeah. Um, they create Legion after that. They bring in Warlock, who's a character I really like. Right. And I, I want to see Bill Sienkiewicz's Warlock because uh, I've always seen Art Adams' Warlock, that, which I love. Yeah. But Sienkiewicz is crazy. I'm sure he he designed that character. To yeah. Be weird and crazy. And I'm like, I want to read this run, and I just don't like. I you know I have the digital comics, and I'm like. Yeah, I'm going to read this instead. I just, I can't get worked up about those characters. Yeah, I think it's like uh, whenever they put out a New Mutants omnibus that has the Sienkiewicz stuff, I'll get it to read it. That I don't mind reading because it's like, uh, here's where these characters came from. They're important or whatever. It's like a modern run on it, even by an artist or a writer I really like. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, no, I don't care enough. Sienkiewicz's Instagram is really good. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram. He posts stuff from all over. He I remember uh, just this week he posted a what if from the 80s. Like what if, which is really funny because it was what if Captain America was thawed today, but it was in 1985. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, how different it would have been. It was three mm, years later. So different. And I'm like, yeah, they kept doing that. Yeah, they did it in the, uh, in the 90s. They, or they, I think Mark Wade wrote it. There was a couple Mark different. Mark Wade's Captain America. Yeah, one. It, so definitely. Good. Yeah, he wrote a mini series, and I actually I think he was either I can't remember if this is how bad it is. It was probably Obama, but it might have been Bush. But uh, he basically they Bush. retconned his origin. No, Clinton was president when Wade was writing. No, I know that, but he did a mini series later. Oh, later, Man okay. Out of Time, where it was basically like here's here's ex- here's exactly what happened to Captain America when he came back from being frozen. Mm-hmm. It's like the Avengers revive him, and then he's like. Uh, he's out in the world. It's like the movie. Yeah, but basically. But I think Obama was president, and he meets with Obama, and Obama's like, we need you here, you know, because yeah, they're trying to figure out how to send him back. It's work for about a year. Right, and then they just kind of just keep, um, it just, you know, because I remember seeing comics where they he'd have his Avengers ID card to be signed by Clinton, and I'm like, fucking Bill Clinton <laughs> wasn't president when Captain America was thawed out of the ice. You know, it's like... He is now. Yeah, he is now. Well, it's like Batman. Sliding scale. Bruce Batman's Wayne's always been, 33. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's been Batman for 10 years all the time. Yeah. Bruce Wayne's been Batman f- for 10 years for 80 years. Yeah. So, yeah. that's a sliding cut. But, yeah, and going back to McFarlane, it, he's mostly sticking with Superman and Batman. And he, yeah. there are a few versions that he's never done, that no one's done before. He's got... He's got the Hellbat suit. I don't know what the Hellbat That's suit. from the Tomasi Batman Robin run. Oh, okay. So the Patrick Gleason. Um, he's got like a Superman armor. And some of them are interesting. 
And I'm like, all right, I'll try this, but I don't know if I can get oh, excited about got, DC more. He's got the Superman Unchained that armor. armor, yeah. So uh, this is that's dumb. the Jim Lee Snyder. Yeah, Jim Lee and um, Snyder did a. I think it was. I like Snyder, but I feel like Snyder's style took a turn that I'm just not going with. Where he's like, yeah, he, a lot of big cosmic monsters and demons. Yeah, that's what the Batman who laughs is. That's what metal was, and that's what yeah. Last Night on Earth turned into. Yeah, I haven't really liked any of them too much. Dark Knight's Metal, the they did a preview issue for it, or they previewed the first couple pages, and it was like, it was the Justice League on, I think, War World. And yeah, they were in like great. a Glide Arena, and I'm like, this is exactly what I want drawing it. to be reading. And then it, it was like, that was just like a random opening, and then it turned into this like thing with like Hawk God, and I'm like, wait, yeah. what? Well, I'm there's like, a rule in screenwriting that, sa- um, that says you open with the hero doing what they're good at. And then the story is that they run into something that they're not good at, and how do they overcome that? Okay. But, uh, but like, Raiders of the Lost Ark is the perfect example. Like, oh, because Jungle you open Temple. Up with... Indiana Jones is really good into going into jungle temples and, and like, thing. avoiding booby traps and getting out. What he's not good at is fighting Nazis to get the Ark, and that's the right. rest of the movie. And so that's what metal was. And that always frustrates me because that beginning scene's always so good. It's like, I like, want to. Oh, here's you, the hero being good at stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I want to see. Like James like, Bond, like before the title right. sequence, is always the best part of the movie. Right. Because yeah. he's doing the cool stuff that he knows how to do. Yeah. it's That's what's frustrating is like, uh, I really wanted Metal to be whatever the Justice League was doing on War World, fighting. Uh, whatever that guy's name is, Mo- Mongol. Mongol. And it's like... Uh, Thanos. Yeah, <laughs> Thanos. Darkseid. There's another Jim Starlin character. Darkseid 4, you yeah. know? Um, but then it just evolved. And he created his own book, Breed. Like, Jim Starlin has spent his career oh, yeah. making Darkseid over and over again. He's crazy. Where... He loves muscly space guys. Yeah, he does. But good on him, you know? It's I like... mean, Thanos has definitely run the distance. Yeah, that's about as far as you can go, buddy. Like, Thanos is in the popular culture. People say Thanos the way they say Darth Vader. Yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting uh, world we live in now. Yeah, very interesting. Well, it's it's where the president put his own face on Thanos yeah. to show how powerful he was <laughs> right. by killing everybody. Uh, uh, and of course, this week he the did. Metaphor there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We try not to get political, but <laughs> well, well, war were declared. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> war were declared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, literally, like great. came back from the holidays and was like, "I'm going to start a war." Well, it's like we didn't get like four days into the new year of being two like, days. This will be our year, and it's day. like, oh, we're <laughs> World War Three's trending on Twitter. Fucking fantastic. Yeah, because a bunch of much more impeachment stuff came out, so his reaction was like, "I'm going to murder somebody." Yeah. Did you see all the somebody who's been posting all his old tweets yes. warning that Obama was going to do the same yep. thing as try to start a war with that, Iran? Yeah, so he had that idea. Yeah. So basically, his idea was like, if the president gets in trouble, he starts a war with Iran. Yeah, that, and then the president got in trouble, and he started exactly a war with Iran. That's what we're doing now. Oh, It'll fuck? continue to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, 2020 so far, there's no change. Yeah, but uh, there is good stuff coming down the pipe. You know, you said the Toy Fair's in February. See, Tweets is right around the corner yeah, from that. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, so McFarlane's got a line this tw- of 12 figures, which is actually good for McFarlane because McFarlane got the Star Trek license three years ago and put out two. Yeah. That's... He put out Kirk and Picard. Yeah. And, like, he didn't even put out Star Trek Discovery, which was the new thing. Yeah. Like, he's not putting out an old Picard. I don't know if he has a license now. So you think it's like um, somebody should put out an old Picard though, because that show looks really. You really think good. it's like that the, show looks Mandalorian good. He 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 gets the rights to Star Trek, and then they're just like, yeah, just do whatever you want. They no one's like, hey, we need you to do Star Trek Discovery because that's on the air right now. So do Star Trek Discovery figures. Yeah, I think I think because Star Trek is not as powerful as it was. I think if uh, I think Marvel definitely tells Hasbro, hey, this is important, and you're going to do this. And I think. Uh, I think Star Wars, uh, Lucasfilm, Disney. I think I think Disney has a strong hand in what Marvel and D- Star Wars figures are made because they're so current and vital. Sure, but Star Trek has been seen as a nostalgia brand for you know, almost Since ten the years. 60s. Um, no, I would I would argue against that because in the eighties and nineties when it was next generation D space nine and Voyager, they were very vital and current. Yeah, but I feel like since the two thousands, because even the J.J. Abrams movies have been like nostalgia trips of like hey look at chris pine being william shatner right and discovery is on a streaming platform that is not disney plus 
So it's I've seen the first season and it's good, but I think that tells you what you need to know. The second season's been out for almost a year, and I'm not going to rejoin until Picard comes out. Right. So I think he had more latitude, and also the Star Trek license is split in a weird way because Paramount sold all their TV library to CBS at one point. So they basically sold half of Star Trek. Mm. So it's really confusing because the Paramount movies are just Paramount movies. They don't have to deal with CBS and Star Trek Discovery and Picard on CBS All Access don't have to talk to Paramount about the movies. So they're they're both doing their own It's kind of like DC, like CW shows versus the movies. Right. Like... Uh, I don't know if that Flash movie is ever getting made, but we were going to have a Flash movie and a Flash TV show on the same time that did not talk to each other. Yeah. Or like when um, Superman Returns was on, came out and Smallville was on. Right. Star Trek is becoming that. Yeah, it's so weird. I, so I think there was this whole of like, yeah, just go and do it. Um, I mean, the company I worked for had the Star Trek license for a while. You know, it's not that huge a license. And I think what happened was he put out the two most iconic characters and they, they probably didn't sell that well. Right. So he like, didn't even get to Mr. Spock. That's what's kind of weird. It's like you think Spock. That's like your number three. Yeah, you know, you do Picard, you do Kirk. Spock's the next one yeah. to do. You usually do Kirk and Spock, and then Picard. Yeah, I would say Spock probably is above Picard. You want you want the two of them as a team, right? Yeah. So I do like that he's putting out twelve. It's yeah. like okay, you got a line. It's all well, over DC's the place. DC's a bigger uh, license too. There's a lot more characters in the, in DC than in Star Trek. Yeah, and like I said, there's a few characters that no one's done. They have like a Justice League Unlimited, John Stewart. And I'm like, oh, great, because DC put out Justice League John Stewart with, like, the hair. Oh, right. And this is, like, bald with a goatee. I'm like, well, I'll get that and put him in, and we'll see how well they do. But, I mean, we keep talking about it. It's really hard to escape the Shadow Marvel Legends right now. Well, I think, because we, we, we had talked to Mr. Uh, uh, Mike at Mr. Wayne's. Uh, where's the name Mr. Wayne's coming? It's like Mr. Wayne, like Bruce Wayne? No, I asked him about it, and he said it was their that was their fake name for their manager when they both worked at KB. Oh. Well, like if somebody complained about something, we're like, oh, we'll tell Mr. Wayne. Yeah. Because that's my first thought. I was like, I was like, is that a Batman reference? He goes, no, actually, we didn't even realize that. Yeah. But we were using it so much mm. that it was like he was this fictitious guy that ran things. So when we started our own store, it was the fictitious guy that ran that's things. That's cool. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but he was telling us, because with the, the Marvel Legends and stuff, is like the amount of figures they put out. It's like, I mean, we've talked a lot about it before on the show. It's like, it's just, it's like, it's un- unbelievable how many. So it's like. It was too much. He said, he was saying like some sets didn't do well. He was like that Captain Marvel set didn't the movie set, do yeah. well. But it's like that the they movie keep was just cranking them out. So it's like, yep. they must be making, I mean, they must be selling well enough yeah. to where they can put out the quantity. I mean, it's like, just look at these knuckleheads. It's they're fucking Shatterstar. They're being toy biz in the 90s. This is like. This is like the is rate like that Hasbro is... was putting out Star Wars during the prequels. Like yeah. Hasbro doesn't put out this much Star Wars as yeah. they're putting out more. It's like I, I don't know. Um this this past year was really the year I was just kind of like surprised like the amount of times I'd come over and there'd be new Marvel Legends. And it's like you you know, you get them all, but it's like the the amount that came out in this past year, I was just like kind of like taken aback. I was like, good lord! It's become a tradition before we start recording. I'm like, this is who came this week. Yeah, because it's like it was so many weeks. More often than not, I felt like we were getting new Marvel Legend figures. You yeah, know, were coming out, so it's kind of wild. Yeah, and after Christmas, I was tempted to like get something different. I was looking at Hot Toys. I haven't gotten a Hot Toys in a couple of years. Yeah, at least a year. Um, yeah, nothing. But my wife got me the Hansel and Carbonite from Sideshow which is 12-inch scale. And I'm like, oh, I should have somebody next to it. And Boba Fett. I looked at the Boba Fett. It didn't really grab me. And I was like, all right. Uh, and then I started looking at the Jedi Luke, and I was like, that's my favorite look for Luke, even though Return of the Jedi is not the best. But I was like, oh, I'll have him with the cape and like the Jabba's gun. And mm-hmm. then the carbonite will be in the background, so it'll yeah. be like a diorama. And if and I was selling something on eBay, and I was like, okay, don't buy it with real money. When the eBay comes in, I'll buy it. And then a week later, the eBay money came in, and I was like, Eh, maybe I'll buy something else. Like it, it just went out of my head. But Marvel yeah. Legends is like, I, I, it's, it's like, it's like paying a bill now. Yeah, it's, it's like just, you've already allocated funds for it in your budget. No, I haven't allocated any funds oh. for it. I just pay for it, and then I look at my bank account with like, that money missing. Why? <laughs> I know why. Yeah, that's great. Oh man, I used to have a good economy going. I had a collector's economy 
Actually, when you owned a store, it was very helpful. Yeah, I also had a collector's economy I just, then. <laughs> I just recycled stuff. I would come, I would sell stuff, yeah. and that would pay for new stuff. And I would sell figures on eBay, and that would pay for the next set on eBay. I would come to your store with trade paperbacks that I was done with yeah. and use that credit to get next month's comics. Um, I don't have those avenues as much. No. And there's less and less I want to get rid of. I've been home for the last two weeks. I took all my vacation time. And I found that if I'm home for more than four days, I just start selling stuff. Oh. Because if I'm around the that house. That might be help. That's a helpful strategy sometimes. You yeah. Know? Yeah. If I'm around the house, like eventually I look at a shelf and I'm like, why do I have that? I don't, I don't care about that. Yeah. But when I bought it, I put it on the shelf and then went back out to work. Yeah. So, um, so I'll get rid of a lot of stuff, but it's been a while since I got rid of anything. Yeah. Yeah, I do uh, declutters every great once in a while because it's it always is kind of like, and this is probably true of everything we're doing, um, is that this like this like it always feels like I'm trying to police a child with my collecting. It's always like, don't buy that. Stop. No. You don't have to get this book or <laughs> get rid of this thing. It's just like it's it's this fine line of just kind of like you want to read comics, you want the toys, and you know you're in all this shit. But then it's like you're always kind of like. Um, there has to be a limit. There has to be a line somewhere. Yeah, you know? I always say there's only two reasons to not buy something you want. I can't afford it. Yeah, I don't have anywhere to put it. Yeah, and I have a the worst thing that happened to me was <laughs> I moved you out here from New York and got a house <laughs> with a basement. I also I kept my New York job. I that was a that was a big job. I mentioned before where I got to like write scripts for Anthony Daniels yeah. and, and pitch things to George Takei. It was like, it was like big, uh, New York agency. So they were paying me really well. Yeah. And it was like, both of those things went away. Yeah. And then you opened a goddamn shop <laughs> yeah. within walking distance. Yeah. And, it, and there were rooms yeah. that I had empty. Whole rooms. I was like, Oh, there's this room in the basement where there's nothing. I can yeah. put a long box in here. And then three years later, there's 20 long boxes. Yeah. In there. That's what I'm saying. It's like this ability for it to get out of your control which is like I'm trying to make sure it doesn't happen with Marvel Legends because I went from having none of them 12 months ago to now what? This is, is my, that 11? This is my 13th maybe. Ooh. Do you count the Ant-Man? There's an Ant-Man accessory. Uh, uh, no, nah, he's like a – because he's not a figure. He's like an accessory. You yeah, know? but he's a whole guy. Yeah, he's a whole guy. I always have to uh, talk Sebastian out of that because he'll lose him immediately. He's like, I want the little Ant-Man. I'm like, oh, mm. we can't find him. No, he's too no. little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's microscopic. He's microscopic. Um. Yeah, so and that's the same thing with the omnibuses is like, you know, you get to this point. I thought I had one bookshelf where I was putting them on. They filled that bookshelf mm-hmm. that I then had to build a separate bookshelf for them. And now they're all there and they fit and there's room to grow because I'm a thinker. <laughs> but then it's like, how many of these fucking things do you need? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you're going to run out of room for this. The floor can only support so much weight, <laughs> you know? The omnibus has broke one of my shelves. That's a, remember exactly. That? I came in you one know? day and I have the uh, floor-to-ceiling bookcases built into this one room, but they do have the adjustable shelves, which, you know, have those pins that you put into pegs. The, the pegs. Yeah. And they had bent, the, pe- the pegs had dug into the wood so much from the omnibuses that I came into the room one day and the shelf with omnibuses had fallen on the next shelf with omnibuses. Yeah. And it like crushed some of the corners. And I'm like, all right, can't use this shelf. And I put trades on that shelf. Yeah. But I'm, and every now and then I look at this, I look at the shelves. I'm like, what's the next one that's going to go? Because yeah. these things, they're about 10 pounds each. Yeah, the books are heavy, and then you know a and lot of them are. You can fit fifteen on a shelf. And it's a hundred and yeah, it's hundreds of pounds. Yeah, that's 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 like if I put my six year old and sat him on there forever, forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something has to give. But they're nice. I just got a bunch of more X Men. I've been getting nineties X Men omnibuses left and right because they keep making them, and I'm like, sure, I'll get Shattershot, Cable, and X Force. Yes, I'll get <laughs> well, Cable and X Force. <laughs> Tony Daniel and Ian Churchill. Because it fills a hole that the other omnibuses didn't. <laughs> is it filling another hole, John? That is, <laughs> is the... it filling a hole inside? <laughs> no, nothing ever does. But we can keep trying <laughs> with the same trying. thing. <laughs> yeah. But that's the... Well, that's the biggest danger of collecting. I realized this uh, in the 90s when Toy Biz was pumping out the X-Men figures. At that point, I was in college, so I was kind of too old to play with them. So I... W- was already at the put them on the shelf and display them yeah. mode. But it was that feeling of they never made this guy. It was like I was 18 when they first made a Nightcrawler action figure. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where was this guy when I was 11? Right. You know, I had the Secret Wars figures when I was 12 and that didn't really go anywhere. They made like 12 figures and they got out. 
Wolverine was the only X-Men they made. So when there was this set that had Cyclops and Colossus and Nightcrawler and Storm, I was like, oh, yeah. they were five bucks a piece. <laughs> right. even, even as a college student, I could afford those. But there's always this tipping point where I noticed they would reveal uh, a line of like 10 figures. And there'd always be three I really, really wanted. And then there would be uh, four that were pretty good. They were okay. Either they weren't great figures, they weren't characters I cared about. Right. And then there would be three that were awful. And back then, they would put out like a line and it would just be on the pegs for a year. So if you didn't find them in March, you'd still have a you chance. You might be able to find them in August. Yeah. So I'd get the three that I wanted and I'd be like, great. And then I'd be in the store looking for something else. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, I could use a forge, I guess, to be in the background. And, you know, uh, and then I, I was like, I don't remember this villain, but uh, he could he could stand by. Mr. They got to fight somebody. Yeah. And then I get the seven. And then there comes a point where you go, well, these are the only ones I don't have. And then you buy the bad ones right. you don't want. Yeah. You buy the Comcasts and Extremes and Senyakas. Yeah. Uh, or the, oh, God. Random. I, you Tusk. Yeah. I had a Tusk action figure. Yeah. Yes, even Strong Guy. I wasn't reading X Factor. Yeah. Uh, and that's when the collecting becomes a problem. When when, when you're buying it just because you don't have it, but you don't yeah. want it. And honestly, because uh, I'm desperately trying to keep us on topic, that brings me back to the McFarlane figures. I'm looking at them and I'm like, yeah, they're probably well made. They're all always well sculpted. It looks like they have really good articulation. Right. Um, but they've all been made before. I understand he's made different is, versions yeah. of characters, but it's like... You've got John Stewart. You've got Superman. You've yeah, got many I've got Batmans. an animated Batman. I've got a right. co- modern comic Batman. It's like the Batman who laughs is not a character I love, but I'm like, well, that's a new character. I'll get him. Right. So I can't get excited. The problem they have is that Mattel, Mattel did their own Marvel Legends 10 years ago, and that line has been gone for a long time, but those figures hold up so well. Like you can take a DC Universe Classics Batman and put him next to a Marvel Legends from this year, and they look like they look like it's a crossover comic that goes together. So you, you still can't beat that line. Mm-hmm. So it's like anything that comes in a little lesser, I'm like, well, I could save my money. Right. And knowing what Marvel Legends is going to produce, I'm going to have to save my money. You're going to have to because they're going to put yeah. out 40 goddamn figures this no, year. I also went through a month because of Star Wars where I got a bunch more Star Wars black figures. Yeah. Because I was like, ooh, Mandalorian's out. Ooh, Rise of Skywalker. I watched the, uh, the opening for The Mandalorian again. The first episode? Yeah, just like yeah. really goes in and he gets the fish guy. Yeah, that's great. It's great scene. Horatio Sands? Uh, yeah, but um, his costume is so different. That dri- it's like unbelievable. It's how driving me crazy because you cannot find, you still can't find a Mandalorian action figure, so I don't have one. Um, they put one out in Star Wars Black, can't get them, and then they put uh, they're putting out a Hot Toys, already sold out. Oh, but he wow. only wears that uniform for like. Two episodes. Two episodes. In fact, right. he gets the shoulder like in the first episode, mm-hmm. and the figure doesn't have that shoulder. So it's like, all right, there'll be a season two Mandalorian, or he's in the all black, or he's in or the whatever. the Beskar steel. Yeah, yeah. There's a petition to make Beskar steel iPhone cases. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, why haven't they? Like, what are they waiting? I for? I think they didn't realize Mandalorian was going to be as big, which as is it was. adorable. I it's like I uh I like when big companies don't understand the thing they made is gold. Like, Black Panther's a great example of this. Black Panther, the movie, is like, they had no clue how big it was going to be. There was no merchandising. They, like, they were caught with, the, like, their pants down. Yeah, you but know? the opposite of that is Phantom Menace. Right. Where they where were they like, Star Wars is huge. coming back. This is going to be the biggest thing. Everyone's going to care they, about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> they full stores ordered it. We were, we were yeah. just watching Big on New Year's Eve, and I hadn't seen that in a long time. With Tom Hanks? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Big. Oh, it's great. I, the reason I didn't see Big, I think, is because I already saw that movie. It was called, like, uh, Little Jack. And it yeah, that was much worse than that came Williams. out later. Uh, I don't know. No, Jack was about, he was, like, he was growing backwards. Big was, like, he made a wish, and he woke up as an adult. He was, like, a kid that made a wish, and then he woke up, and he was Tom But Hanks. the movie with Robin Williams, he's, like, a little kid, but, but in he the had, body like, a medical condition, yeah. Yeah, I think he just grew faster or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was the same kind of idea. He looked like an adult. It was not as good, and it came out about 10 years after Big. Yeah. Big's really good. It was like one of Tom Hanks' first yeah. huge hits. But there's there's a classic iconic scene where they go to F.E.O. Schwartz, and they like play on, on the they piano. They dance on the piano. Yeah, it's, it's on the movie poster. Yeah, it's huge. Um, And it was the first time, I don't know why, but uh, I used to work next to F.E.O. Schwartz. I used to work at the Museum of Television Radio, which was 
kind of a cool job. Yeah. It's you know, cool you were gig. just like, this is Sid Caesar and this is Milton Berle. And you'd be giving tour guides and you'd be making sure the projections ran on time. And every now and then you met celebrities. Yeah. Um, but it was down the block from F.A.O. Schwartz. So I would, as a toy collector, I would go to F.A.O. Schwartz a lot um, before they closed. Yeah. And for some reason, this time I watched Big, I was like, oh, that's in that hallway. That's on the second floor. That's here. And for some reason, I couldn't put it together. And there was a scene in the hallway, and I'm like, oh, yeah, at the end of that hallway for Phantom Menace, they created a Phantom Menace room. Hmm. There was a gigantic room that was nothing but episode one. They had, like, they had an exclusive, like, uh, Jar Jar monster thing with the shield generators on its back, like the Brontosaurus thing. Yeah. It was gigantic, and that stuff sat and sat. By the time Attack of the Clones came out, uh, I had moved in with my wife, and we were uh, two blocks away from Toys R Us. Again, good for me. Yeah, you like uh, that. So I would stop at Toys R Us all the time, and all the same figures were every week. on the pegs, and they were a dollar ninety eight. Yeah, and I just ended up just getting everybody because I'm like, it's dollar ninety eight. Yeah, so cheap. Like I'm doing with Comicsology now. So that's the opposite of Mandalorian. Yeah. So I feel like they learned their lesson. It's like we never want to do Jar Jar Binks so, again. I feel Schwartz. So like we they we had one here in Chicago that. Every year we'd go downtown during Christmas time. Uh, we'd go to like work with my dad for the day because I don't know. My dad was like <laughs> working at like a company downtown, and then we'd go to like dinner. We'd do the windows, the Macy windows, and then they had an FAO shorts downtown, so we'd always go there. It was like my favorite toy store as a kid because it's colossal. Yeah, and every it year it was more about the presentation than it was about the inventory. Yeah, and I remember all the big Star Wars crap, but they'd have big Spider Man displays for the cartoon and stuff because we were going there for like I mean years and years. We'd go there, and you know you'd get a doppelganger action figure from the '90s cartoon or whatever. Cause, cause they, they made put, a Marvel Legend of them because they put out everybody. And uh, did F.A.O. Not Jubilee. No, they They didn't Jubilee, but she was in her Generation X uniform. And then Jean Grey, they made her on the wrong scale. Uh, Did they? They put her in the Onslaught wave, and those were like bigger. Oh, they were like taller figures. Yeah, Yeah, she never fit. Um, But did, uh, so F.A.O. Schwartz closed. Do you think they, because they just like bled money like with like episode one? No, uh, I don't think that did it. Uh, What did it was... They were always upscale and they didn't have a lot of real estate. So they didn't make the sales that KB and Toys R Us were making. Which was like Toys R Us bought F.A.O. Schwartz. Really? F.A.O. Schwartz went down with Toys R Us. Oh. That's what happened. In fact, in Manhattan, um, the F.A.O. Schwartz closed about the same time as the other ones. They closed the Times Square Toys R Us first and that really hurt. Yeah, I think that's kind of a signal. Yeah, the Times Square Toys R Us, it had a Ferris wheel inside the Toys R Us. Crazy. That was also one that I would hit every day when Marvel Legends were first coming out. Yeah. Marvel Legends and Lord of the Rings at that time. Because I worked in advertising agencies that were near Times Square, so I would run over at lunch. And it was a couple blocks away from Midtown Comics. Yeah. Which is still there, and it's... That's not going anywhere. Fantastic. Yeah. So you'd hit both. And then when I was handing out flyers for the improv, uh, when I was doing stand-up comedy... Uh, it would get so cold. You'd be, yeah, you'd just it'd be run ten into... degrees, and you'd be handing out these flyers for an hour and a half, so you could do five minutes on stage. Uh, we would run into Toys R Us to warm up yeah. and use the bathroom, and then look for toys. Uh, when that closed, that was like things are really, yeah, really going down. Speaking of giant stores that open up in large metropolitan areas, have you been to that giant um, Starbucks? It's the biggest one. In no, Chicago? I heard the lines are still around the block. Seriously? Yeah, I used to, and uh, my last job was in the Hancock Center. I could have walked there at lunch. And yeah. Now it's cross town because now I'm by the Sears Tower. Oh um, yeah, which yeah, I'm instructed not, to say instead of the Willis Tower. Yeah, because uh, Chicagoans are tied to the past. That's what. <laughs> it's not the fucking Willis Tower. Yeah, I'd say you already met. They redo. Sears isn't even a company they, anymore. They are right. Sears doesn't exist. <laughs> but the Sears Tower does. They have poured millions into completely redoing the lobby of it, so it doesn't look anything like it used to anymore. And you idiots are still calling it Sears. Yeah, you can't change it. Go shop at a Sears. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, so the other thing, uh, that happened in the, the same idea is like, you're talking about the Starbucks has got like crazy lines. Cause it's, I don't know. I've, I don't even, I've seen pictures. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. But, um, I want to see it. Yeah. I kind of want to go just to see it, but, but it's it like, should be there for years. So it, it's not going anywhere, right? It's not like no, a temporary. It took them two years to build it. It was crate and barrel. Yeah. 
And so I think it's like they're. It's big, like four stories tall. Yeah, I I do think eventually it won't be there anymore. A lot like FAO Schwartz with this monstrous toy store, yeah. which was probably only a couple blocks away from. Well, like I said, it's more about the footprint. Right. The other thing is in the Han- in the Hancock Center, which is like three blocks away, mm-hmm. there was a Starbucks in the basement. There was a Starbucks across the street, and there was a Starbucks in the water tower right next door. Yeah. So crazy. there were three Starbucks within reach if you work at the Hancock Center. Now there's this giant flagship Starbucks three blocks away from that. And they're not closing any of the other any ones. Any of them. So there's the, a lot of people the buying amount coffee. they're paying for that crate and barrel space is way yeah. different from the one they're paying for next to Rush. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And I'm sure they're making about the same sales. Probably. The line surprised me because I was like, it's four stories tall. I figured there'd be like 12 four, Starbucks counters yeah. where you could just go to one or the other almost like uh like best buy where like the uh sales representatives are like oh i'll take you right here right there's a little podium where they'll check you out they're ready to go kind of everywhere yeah um i noticed the um so the other thing with like lines in chicago and such is we go uh we legalized uh, re- uh recreational marijuana oh there's lines around the block for that around the block so uh we were up at the uh there's the movie theater in evanston and across the street from the theater is a big parking garage because like evanston it's like uh it's kind of like Naperville or the That's right by Comics Revolution, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, but so attached to the parking garage, there's a medical marijuana dispensary. I didn't know this because I just parked my car there and go see a movie. But there was a line that went like all out. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And it was it's like, like the Rick and Morty van had arrived. Like January 1st. I didn't realize like what was going on. So I asked him, like, what is this like line for? And they go, like, oh, this is a line to buy marijuana like recreational marijuana they had security guards so i said guard he said hey man like how long is the wait in line for this he said it's four hours he said they're closing the line because this place it was like 4 30 he's like the place closes at eight o'clock he's like they're probably not gonna they're, he's like they're gonna run out i'm like this how? is why i didn't get on the avatar ride yeah yeah it's because, because like, of that kind of waiting wait. lines and uh although if you did both lines in one day right yeah that's true it's your whole day but then that so then i was talking to my parents about this i was at my folks house uh, on saturday as telling me this line was crazy for this, and my mom's like, "You know how much money they 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 uh, sold in sales?" I'm like, "No, how much?" He's like, seventy million dollars." It's been like four days. Wow. This is and crazy. Yeah, this is why it took him this long to legalize it. I I'm not into it myself. Yeah. My dad was always into it, and it was, it's just awesome seemed kind of hippie. To but... hear like uh, old people be into it, so like you're like, "Oh yeah, my dad was in." I'm like, "Your dad smoked." My marijuana? dad was a boomer. I mean, he was. He my, was but my kid. dad was a boomer, and he he doesn't even uh, drink. You know. Yeah, but the '60s <laughs> happened when they were young. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, he used to get real high and play board games. Yeah, and uh, then after a couple of heart procedures, that had to stop. Yeah, they're like, hey, don't do this anymore. Okay. The greatest thing in the world. This week. I feel like everyone's forgotten about the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Uh, oh, yeah. I talked to I talked to Kevin in my band who's been on the show, and yeah. I've talked to you, and um, and you guys are Jeff Goldblum fans, and I'm like, are you keeping up with it? And both of you have been like, yeah, that's the first couple. I got to get back to it. I'm like, it, it became my ritual as soon as The Mandalorian ended. Yeah. Because it came out the same day. I was like, Jeff Goldblum. And I've loved every single episode. Yeah. This episode is particularly dear because this episode, Jeff Goldblum discovers coffee. Oh. And he goes and he uh, sees cowboy coffee being made and he learns about the blends and the and the roasts. Yeah. And uh, one of the people ask him, they're like, so uh, do you drink coffee? He goes, well, I, I, I stopped about uh, four or five years ago. You know, uh, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't like the energy it had. And, you know, I feel better. And the guy's like, well, you're going to have coffee now? He's like, all right. And then <laughs> he goes like. Loopy. Oh, he can see infrared. Yeah, <laughs> in this episode. Um, great. Every episode has been delightful. There's, he's one about denim and one about bicycles and one about ice cream. Yeah, uh, and one about RVs, and they're all delightful. My favorite thing about it is every single person he meets in their head is going, "Oh my God, Jeff Goldblum is talking to me." Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I was watching. Uh, I was watching that. I watched the first episode. I really liked it, and I do want to get to him. And it's on my to do list. I haven't watched anything since Mandalorian ended. But um, I realized it's like a, there's a there's like a certain uh, I don't know what do you call it, like a spectrum of character people. Jeff Goldblum's mm-hmm. on that. You know who else is on this spectrum of like a delightful weirdos? Who's that? Um, Norm Macdonald. 
Oh, God, I love Norm MacDonald. Because he's also, he's like a weird person, like Jeff Goldblum, yeah. where it's like there isn't really anybody else like him. And his just watching him, mm-hmm. you're just like enthralled by whatever he's going to say or do next. Norm MacDonald's my favorite he's such a weirdo. living comedian. And I know I've told this story before, but one of uh, one of my favorite memories is we went to see Norm MacDonald in, at Caroline's and we were really close up. And in the middle of the show, Artie Lang shows up really high yeah and stumbles on stage and starts hugging norm mcdonald and norm's like ha Artie, okay you gotta go i'm in the middle of the um, show Artie lang who used to be our network mate no oh, yeah now he's he started a new podcast um on a different network unfortunately yeah i would love to have him on the radio misfits podcast network but now that he's straight over and mike Bachetti is the sidekick on him mike Bachetti is a great stand-up comic who uh used to work with all the time, and an absolute sweetheart of a guy, and a total character. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about characters. But he's just started that show. I think it's called Artie Lang's Halfway House. It's a podcast. It's a new podcast. Yeah. And like I said, I wish it was still on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, but it's out there. Yeah. It's but available. yeah, if uh, if you haven't watched the Jeff Goldblum episode, yeah, jump it's... right to coffee. Yeah. I, you do not have to watch these. They don't have order. to be watched in order because it's basically Jeff Goldblum experiencing different weird things in the world. It's nice that it is this deep dive because everything you mentioned, they are like culture things. Well, they're normal things. They're normal right. everyday things but that he gets super into. Right. But I think it's like there's a deeper dive into these particular things because they're like niche things. Like people who are in RVs, they're really in RVs. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like you see RVs everywhere. People Same are thing really with like into coffee. Nike, shoes or whatever. I wouldn't sneakers. be surprised if he does beer. Yeah, I assume, yeah, because it's like, uh, it's delightful. It's it's exactly what you would want out of this show. It's kind of like, um, he's an interesting enough guy, and he's very enthusiastic about everything, and he's fascinated by everything. So him just walking around doing that to different things is kind of like, uh, it's like a no-brainer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's a nice little scene where... Uh... He talks about like how he used to drink coffee, and they show a clip of the fly. That's great, and it's yeah. like him and Gina Davis. Yeah, <laughs> drinking coffee. Uh, that's great. I'm like, oh, Gina Davis is in the last latest season of Glow, and she oh, still she? looks fantastic. Yeah, Gina Davis is awesome. Yeah, she looks just like a uh, college girlfriend that I had. Mm. Yeah. All right, your thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna sit here and remind my myself about my college girlfriend I, while you talk. Um, I finished reading a couple omnibuses recently. I wrapped up volume two of Captain America, the Brubaker. Uh, no, no. Oh, Kirby. The uh, Stanley, Gene, Colin, John. Oh, Ramita. yeah. So that's like the introduction of the Falcon, which is awesome. So I read all that stuff, and then I finished the Ramita issues are gorgeous. Oh yeah, it's it's kind of like um, uh, I want that alternate. I love Ramita on Spider Man. That's great, but I kind of want that alternate universe of Ramita just doing decades on Captain America. There is one issue. I can't remember which one it is, but I think Spider-Man guest stars in it where um, there is a panel that's under the trestle of like oh, 125th yeah. Street. And it's like you can tell he sat on that corner for and like two it. hours and drew it. It is stunning. It's, and honestly, after I saw it, which was recently, uh, when you say John Romita, that's an image that pops into my head. Yeah, I uh, frustratingly, my omnibus is misprinted. So the Spider-Man, it's like two issues of Cap and Falcon and Spider-Man. It's misprinted, so it's like it doesn't have all the pages. It's out of oh. order. It's all jacked up. It's really frustrating because you can't you can't get it like replaced. They won't. They don't it's care. It's out of print now. It's, it's probably out of print or whatever. It's like you know. So it's like I have the pages, most of them, but Somewhere. I can't read this story. Oh. So it's like it just it's so frustrating. But I so I finished that on the bus and I finished the Alpha Flight on the bus, which was like. Uh, dude, they did. A, what did you think of it finishing it? Because um, we I, kept talking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's. I didn't really get it. What you were saying, he was like, he doesn't draw any backgrounds. Because I read like the first two issues. I'm like, there's backgrounds, and then there was like an issue where half the issue was just white panels with white word balloons because they were in a blizzard. And I was just like, ah, oh, these fuckers. Like he clearly didn't have time. Well, you can see his dedication it getting looser and drops. looser as it goes. Yeah, the first issues are pretty good. Yeah, and fr- I'd say the first twelve. Yeah, overall, it's pretty good. As like because it's like one story. Uh, but then in the back, they did something which was really cool. Which is, um, I don't know who wrote it, but John Cassidy drew it, so it was before his Captain America. All right. And it's yeah. two issues, and it's like an extra adventure of like where. Alpha Flight teams up with um, the uh, X Men before they fight them. Right. It's like the it's like uh, like a retcon yeah. appearance or whatever, and they do like a sequence where Alpha Flight is in the danger room 
Professor X is having them fight the original X-Men. It's just a couple pages, but it's Cassidy art and it's really good. Mm. So that was really cool. Anyway, so I finished those two on those sides. These are great. And then I started volume three of uh, Fantastic Four, <sighs> and which a lot of the stuff I've never read. And I read a couple issues. It's awesome because they're in their stride. The Inhumans are like basically in every issue. But I got to an issue and I, I don't, um there's a lot of stuff i still don't know about the um history of a marvel just based on like characters that i don't know enough about and i got to this issue and i'm reading it and i misunderstood the origin of the character because i thought he was created by aim but he's not and it's adam warlock yeah and the issue is called him yeah but it's a really cool first issue because they don't show him in the first time they they're talking about him it's like this group of scientists they're not aim they're people that are trying to build like the perfect being the conclave i think i think it's conclave it's just like three or four dudes three jerks Uh, yeah basically they're really nasty guys and they kidnap um alicia uh the the sculptress to because they can't look at him because he's so bright that they want her to go and sculpt his face so they could see what their creation looks like so the whole episode um they're doing other stuff i can't remember what the ff's doing in this issue but the this is like the b plot and they they don't show him so the whole first issue it's always from the perspective of the people looking at him and it's like really interesting i never read anything this old that duds did something like that so it's like a cool little mechanic and then the next issue is the cover with like the cocoon on it yeah and you're like oh okay cool that cover before is really cool like things like beating on a force field and yeah leashes on the other side and it says like what lurks the behind hive. the beehive yeah the beehive yeah. i'm like and i i and i was like uh because it's old ff i thought this was just like a junk like a throwaway issue that didn't lead to anything when I started it. Well, his later issues get weird too because it's like yeah, they're doing Kirby's checked out and he's planning his move to DC and he's saving all of his characters for the new gods. Right, so he's, he's not contributing as much. Right, and it goes a little off the rails, but it's still kind of weird and cool. Yeah, because like right around this issue is like the first appearance of the Cree Sentry, which is cool. Then they do the first Ugh, appearance of uh, Ronan the Accuser, yeah. which is awesome. Those two issues may be my favorite Fantastic Four issues. Yeah, I mean they're great. Um, and then I think this one is like right after the Ronin story. So it's like it, a lot of the, uh, I mean, they've already done Galactus and Black Panther and the Inhumans and all like claw and all the huge stuff's been done. Um, now it's kind of like, here's a Sandman story where he teams up with Blastar. It's the first appearance of Blastar. It's like, it's cool, but it's like Blastar teaming up with the fucking Sandman is just kind of like, wait, what? Sandman Um, always looks lost in Fantastic Four. He does. It's like. No, you you need to be over there with Spider Man. He's like, well, I'm over here now. Yeah, <laughs> what do I do? I think I the thing with Sandman was when Human Torch had his own book in Strange Tales. Yeah, those aren't great, but there is a masterworks of it. Um, it was actually a good idea. Uh, Stanley was like, oh, Human Torch fights a Sandman because people use sand to put out fire. Right. And then he's like, well, Sandman already fought Human Torch, so he'll be in the Frightful Four. Yeah. He gets around a lot. Well, in this one, he they has like, that cool Kirby costume, though. He changes his costume. That's what the, in the Blaster issue, the issue before it, it's just Sandman, and he's fighting the FF, and he's got like an armor suit. And he's got like little dials on it. Yeah. And he's like, I, I took mix chemicals into my sand. Yeah. He's like, I took a college class about chemistry and I had the wizard make this for me. So now I know how to make asbestos or whatever to like put out the human torch's flame. He mixes it with his sand and hits him with it. And, I'm like, and he has a mask. Yeah. He's wearing a mask because who knows? It's a sand. <laughs> right. Guy's been running around in a green t shirt without for seven a mask years. for a decade. And now he's all of a sudden he's getting shy. <laughs> <laughs> Because the Sandman's an asshole. Yeah, so is that your greatest thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Jack Kirby, Fantastic Four issue, you know, 58 or whatever. Yeah, I feel like saying <laughs> Stanley and Jack Kirby, Fantastic Four issues are great is the same thing as saying the Beatles are great. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, we all yeah, accept we all that. Know. We all know. But every time you experience it, you go, really That's pretty good, great. though. It's really good. Well, if you t- want to tell us what you think is great, let us know. There are ways to get in touch with us on social media. I am at Not In My Book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. We also have a Facebook page for the show. It's facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics. That's where we post the news. Like, you can see pictures of the McFarlane DC figures on that page right now. Um, and let us know what you think of them. Uh, would you? Are you tempted to get any of them? 
No, absolutely not. Okay. I have no interest in any DC figures at all. It could, be, it could make anybody, and I'd be like, nah. <laughs> and yeah. Well, how do you follow the show, and how do we follow uh, you? You can find me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan, and you can find the show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We are on the iTunes Podcast app, and we are on Stitcher, and we are on Spotify. And we will talk to you next week.